Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, folks. We are joined by J.P. Morrell, New Orleans City Council. J.P., welcome to the show. Uh, excuse us, I think we uh, lost our connection uh, with JP, but we'll get him uh, right back on the line. Um, this happens sometimes when we rely on the telephone line. It happens to me frequently, <laughs> for sure. Also wanted to um, to say that uh, we will be visiting with Walt Leger in the next hour with New Orleans and Companies, the president and CEO of uh, New Orleans and Company. And we're also later on in the week going to attempt to get some folks on to talk about this Blue Cross Elevance deal that now looks like has gone by the wayside. And a lot of folks were lining up on each side of that issue. And we'll try and find out why um, that is, uh, why it fell out. Um, some would say that that's a good thing. Not Haven't done really a lot of research on it, so not really sure if, in fact, uh, that is the case. All right, we're reconnected to J.P. Morrell. J.P., welcome to the show. Thanks, Bill. Sorry about that. I assume that you have recovered from Mardi Gras or are still recovering. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually a pretty light Mardi Gras goer, so I recover pretty fast. My wife and kids <laughs> takes a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Your thoughts about this year's uh, Mardi Gras season? Uh, I think, generally speaking, the parades were, for the most part, pretty well-behaved, which makes our life easier. I think that the crew of, uh, I can't use the explicative, but, you know, the crew of those individuals who believe that it is okay to come to New Orleans like Christopher Columbus and claim land for a week, that has gotten, I think, worse this year than previous years. And I kind of, this is the ideal position to kind of make this point. Like, I had someone tell me, well, I just don't understand why this isn't allowed. And I said, if you went on veterans and weren't a jerk carpeting off land, Joe LaPinto would have dragged your ass off and threw you on the curb already. So I don't know why people think behavior that wouldn't be allowed in any other parish when it comes to kind of like claiming land for multiple days and leaving out porta potties that they generate with tents and bags and holes, why that's okay here when it wouldn't be okay where they come from. But you're not a, you're not insinuating that it's only out of parish individuals that engage in that activity, right? No, it, it's yeah, I'm not. It's well, one, I'm not insinuating it's only those people. But I will tell you, in my experience, it's a lot of out of towners. I'm not saying necessarily it's even out of towners, as in Jefferson, Saint Bernard, or a neighboring parish. It's just people come to New Orleans, and you know, it's the kind of complaint New Orleans have had for years, where it's sort of like. During major events, people flock in from around the country and kind of do whatever they want, kind of like, you know, Vegas, whatever, you know, state, whatever happens here stays here. 
and people are kind of left to deal with it, for the most part, my message to everyone who does all that kind of behavior is it's not going to be allowed. And though this year we had some trouble with enforcement, we're going to take some steps as a council and make make sure next year things are a bit more explicit as far as the repercussions for it. I mean, the number of people we had setting up makeshift porta potties and Newell, the stuff I'm talking about is literally like tents with a bucket with a hole. Mm-hmm. And what is truly awful for city city workers is when they leave, they just leave the bag of crap and, and piss yeah. basically. So they pick up their tent, they leave. And then while some guy's picking up beads, he gets to also find, you know, bags of human, you know, stuff left behind, which is not a way to, for them to endure their Mardi Gras. So what, what would be the solution? I mean, uh, you have people that are out there 12 hours or so, and a lot of the private businesses owners now put bans on you because uh, they don't want their establishment to be open to be able to use bathroom facilities. Is the city considering putting out porta potties along the route? The city does put porta potties along the route, actually. Um, their, their space pretty sporadically. It is a little bit of a walk, but, I mean, the reality is, if you're at French Quarter Fest, which a lot of businesses can't say you can't use the toilet, we don't let people set up tents in the French Quarter and take the pop squat. And right. with the exception, I know Zulu runs a little long, but most parades are several hours. There are several hours in parades throughout multiple parishes. No one is on veterans during Argus popping a squat in a tent. No one they think to do it because if you got caught doing that, you would have significant problems doing that in Jefferson Parish. So the point is, yeah, I mean, it's inconvenient, but there's a reason why. People need to realize these events, Mardi Gras is a free public party funded by taxpayers. Mm-hmm. And if the inconveniences of you have to go, like, walk a while to find a toilet, if that's the most you have to deal with for a free party that the city of New Orleans mostly pays for, because all the police protection, all the cleanup, the crews don't pay for that. Citizens do. All the barricades that go up, the crews don't pay for that. Citizens do. I mean, it's kind of like that sign you see everywhere, be nice or leave. People don't really expect people to do much other than not be jerks. And we've seen over the last, I would say, two years, the amount of people that are setting up massive pavilions with boxed-off tables to kind of create their own private pavilions on a parade route. I mean, Newell, we both grew up in New Orleans. That's not a problem we've had historically. Usually during Mardi Gras, everyone kind of understands it's like a, it's like a – a concert or a fair. Everyone mingles with each other. That's kind of what Mardi Gras is. Mardi Gras is not Coachella. You don't come here and pay somebody to carve off a space for you, and then you have a private viewing booth that you create you create on your own to enjoy Mardi Gras. If that is what you're looking for, that's not Mardi Gras. I mean, it just isn't. I mean, if you want that private experience, there are legitimate businesses throughout the city that legally build viewing stands, legally offer that kind of that kind of experience and if that's what you want then you go there you don't come to the places where neighborhoods and people and to your point you have people from multiple parishes who go to the same corners or the same intersections to enjoy mardi gras and when they show up to have their mardi gras experience and some guy paid some people like it's outside galatoire's to sit on a tarp and scream at people if they try and stand near it that's not mardi gras i don't know what people think they're entitled to, but that's not what they're entitled to. So, I mean, it's one of those things where I'll tell you right now, due to the poop tents, 
I've spoke to council people. There's really going to be a push just to ban tents. Tents are not necessary. I know it rains sometimes, but the reality is those tents are not built for rain. They're built for, you know, private experiences. And the fact that our streetcar line can't run for literally a week because people start camping out early and the fact that every year they damage the streetcar line tracks in the city and RT have to pay for that. These are all things that we just can't continue to absorb at higher and higher rates just so people can build viewing stands. So, I mean, it's good. It's, it's going to be a challenge in that we have to get the city itself to do more enforcement because the city's enforcement, as you may have noticed, was very sporadic. They'll have days where they're aggressive and you see a trash truck come by and scoop all the stuff up and throw it away. Then you'll have three or four days. They do nothing. And it sends mixed messages to people in that they kind of just think it's a game where you got to figure out when the city's coming and when it isn't. When, when you look at other cities that deal with similar problems, whenever you have issues that are illegal, that are transparently and consistently enforced, there's an expectation by people who are doing that behavior, well, then this, is, this could be problematic for me. When, when you're trying to enforce stuff but sort of sporadically and only on certain people – then it's not fair. So there's some stuff we have to do in the off season. It's not, it's not a fight that I think the council or a lot of the people out there wanted to have once Mardi Gras had already started. Cause you know, with our, with our overworked and understaffed police department, it's just not something you can address mid Mardi Gras, but I think it's something we're going to address in the off season to have some consistency and some expectations because it's a free party everyone's welcome to come, but you're not welcome. Like I said, we're not a foreign country just discovered where you throw up a flag and say, I claim this land, the name of John. Yeah. You know, I hear this a lot, um, JP, from a lot of folks that ride, uh, lieutenants that are uh, actively engaged in their crew, where two weeks before Mardi Gras, the the city or, 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 or parish uh, regulators come in and say, well, you're going to have to do this, 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 and this. And it's like, well, where have you been all year? Uh, you know, why are you, you waiting two weeks before, you know, the first parade where our floats are done? And now you're asking us to do these additional things. For, and first off, in fact, this past year, someone was telling me there was a big battle with the city over GFIs, ground fault interrupter yes. boxes that had to be put on floats. Well, a ground fault interrupter box has a has a home run to a ground. There's no ground on a on a float. Plus, if you had to replace them all, you're talking about thousands of GFI outlets. They don't have them in the city. You couldn't do it, even if you wanted to do it. And it's like, you know, it's it's kind of mind-boggling to me. You have a 890 million dollar, let's just say a a, a billion dollar industry, and Two or three weeks before they're, they're parading, all of a sudden we're pulling this regulation out of the sky, and it's like, what the hell? What are we doing? That's an issue you bring up in March, <laughs> not in December, you know? And, and you see this over and over and no, over no, again. You, you, you're 1,000% right. The crews worked with, with the council to do the Mardi Gras rewrite, and part of that was having not just the – not just logistical things like obviously the GFIs and other kind of like structural things have to be addressed. And you're right. You can't do that the day before, but I mean, remember the year before last, the city was changing routes like two days before the parade. 
So you had businesses along major routes who literally had bought bought stuff, staffed up, were completely ready for Mardi Gras to go buy their restaurant or bar, and then NOPD and the city were like, changed our mind, we're cutting the parade three three blocks in advance for no real reason. So part of the, what we changed in the law was that the periods in which the crews get their routes from the city and the periods that that negotiation takes place, we're really trying to segregate those from the Mardi Gras period because you're right. Even if a crew could or was able to do some of the things that get popped out last minute, you can't expect them to do it last minute. Because like you said, some of the equipment might not even be available. Part of the reason why we did the ordinance, we had a rewrite put in where after Mardi Gras, after a fixed amount of weeks, I think this year it's April 10th, there's a massive meeting where the council and the crews kind of meet publicly and talk about what worked this last Mardi Gras and what didn't. The GFI complaint is something I've heard from every crew, and it's ridiculous. You cannot have people. I mean, most of these crews have their floats in their dens year-round. If you want to negotiate with crews as far as these are things we think need to be done for safety, I mean, what I would argue is we haven't had fires break out on floats. We have had people fall off floats and get run over by tandem floats, but we haven't seen any floats explode into flames. What is the real rationale why this GFI thing is now a thing? Because it really hasn't been a thing. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I appreciate the crews, and I understand. It's frustrating because it's not like there was an incident or a change in regulation that made this necessary. It seems like arbitrarily they were ambushed with, this is another thing you have to do that costs money. And so part of what we're trying to do holistically with Mardi Gras, and then it also involves the stuff happening on the neutral grounds, is we need to deal with all that well before Mardi Gras season. Because the reality is trying to fix Mardi Gras during Mardi Gras is like trying to turn the Titanic two feet from an iceberg. It's just not physically possible. If we're not planning out stuff well in advance, then it's just not going to work. So, I mean, I do think the crews need to have a bit more predictability. I do think the crews have to have a lot more interaction with the city and figure out why things are happening, not why things are being done to them. For the most part, I'll give you an example. For the most part, the crews kind of went along with the Mylar band. For those of you who don't know, when you're shooting your streamers, there's paper confetti and there's Mylar confetti. The reason why the city banned Mylar is not because we don't like shiny things. It's because Mylar knocks out power transformers for whole neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, all the crews complied with it. We had a couple of bad actor floats. They've all been reported. The crews are all going to get fined over it. But I don't blame the crew captains for that because they have done their best to educate members. Sure. I think that's the sort of thing where the crews are going to have to figure out, is it worth paying all the fines to have Johnny be the jerk who wants to keep shooting off his mylar and costing the crew money? I think that's something that they're going to figure out. This is the first year we banned it, so people probably didn't understand it. We're going to try and be as reasonable as possible with fines, but – it's a thing where the only other alternative, Neil, would be would you want a crew to have to pay to restore power to a neighborhood? Because when the Mylar's transformer transformer explodes, energy replaces the transformer, they send the bill to us. We have to pay them to fix the transformer. And it's mm -hmm. not really appropriate for taxpayers to have to eat that cost. So but my point being that we telegraphed that really far ahead. For the most part, Mylar was down like 99%. We had a couple of bad actors, but for the most part, it was successful. But that was because we worked that with we worked that out with crews 
like nine, ten months ago, and they have the ability to mostly educate people. So, I mean, the whole process, I hope, will just be us educating people on why we do things. Like, for example, your poop potty in the neutral ground, when you leave that bag there, a human being has to pick that up. That's not really cool to leave your poop bag behind. Hopefully after a year of educating people, when they've got their poop tent and a cop walks over and writes them a $500 fine, or if they're pooping at the time, he might cuff them and bring them in for a misdemeanor. Maybe they'll learn their lesson then, that you shouldn't poop on public property. Who knows? No, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I, I just, and you and I have had this discussion about treating this industry uh, as it should be relative to the economic impact that it brings to the city uh, and the the better you can make uh, the experience um, you know it, it just improves I, I'll give you something that I heard because I was in that area so you know as you kind of move from uh, um, the World War II Museum down St. Charles Avenue from that area um, what is it? Unity Circle or Harmony Circle? And you, you're moving Harmony down. Circle, to, yes. You're moving down to um, uh, Poydras and, and into Canal Street. Most of that area is barricaded off, right? So there's no place to really cross from that side of the parade to the other side of the parade. And they set up. I think there are three, possibly four, crossovers. One at Julia, one at, at the um, Gallier Hall. There's one at Poydras, and I think there's another one a little bit further down. But there's nobody manning them, and there's there's no coordination of the crossover. So you have, you have emergencies. You have people arriving to go to hotels. They can't get to hotels. They're having to wait, you know, six hours uh holding their luggage on one side of the parade can't get over to the other side of the parade because there's no organized effort to run these crossovers and they just seem as the parade start they go away and you know and it, it's crazy um that there's no alternative means to accommodate all of these folks no that's a great point like i said part of what we started getting last week after we kind of advertised it is we're trying to collect as many stories like that for that April 10th meeting to kind of give everybody their notes on what they can do better. I have heard of multiple crossovers where they're unmanned. And the problem you run into is that, well, one, there is, because we've had two years of it, a certain predictability of how many law enforcement officers we'll have for Mardi Gras, though the police department, um, the amount is in flux. The partners we have from Jefferson Parish, Plaquemines, around the state that offer sheriffs, that number is pretty static. The, what the effort's going to have to be on NOPD is if you know how many additional officers you have, you need to do the allotment appropriately to make sure that there are crossover points throughout the route. Because the challenge is, is you have parades that ideally a parade, and we tried to address that in the ordinance for for mixed results, there's no real predictability as far as how long a parade will run because floats get stopped, floats do stop, things happen. You can't have major intersections that are uncrossable for 12 hours. And part of the reason why you have those crossovers is that 
you are theoretically supposed to allow people when it's supervised to cross during the major breaks and parades. But to your point, it is problematic when you don't have crossing points or the crossing points are unmanned and yet a person can't cross a route and there's no parade in sight having passed or down the street. So that's something we're certainly going to have to deal with. And I mean, that is a coordination effort. We're going to have to work with NOPD to resolve. I would also argue that um, council president Moreno and I have said for years, there are opportunities to have civilians involved in this process. And when you're talking talking about someone who can help people cross a barricade and cross the street, there's no reason why we couldn't have people, you, you know, sort of like the downtown, the downtown development district rangers who couldn't yeah. be aiding in that effort just to have more bodies, because that's something that you're not breaking up a fight. You're not disarming someone. You're just saying, Hey, we're going to open this barricade to let people cross at these intersections when NOPD's around but someone with an official capacity who can do that in a reasonable way. No doubt. Got to get to a break. We'll be right back with J.P. Morrell, uh, New Orleans City Council. Stay with us, folks. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with J.P. Morrell, New Orleans City Council. Uh, J.P., I want to do... Um, pivot unless you had something else you wanted to discuss about Mardi Gras. No, I'm good. What's up? Uh, the the issue with the RTA um, that has been revealed about the contract that kept getting change orders and it grew from a couple hundred thousand to um, close to being two million dollars. Does the inspector general have authority to look into the RTA? Is that one of the agencies that he has jurisdiction over? Uh, he absolutely should have authority to look into it as it does receive some city money and any organization 
that receives any money from the city of New Orleans is eligible to be reviewed by the inspector general. Uh, we had that same problem, as you might recall, when the inspector general went to investigate the Orleans Parish Communication District. Um, Tyrell Morris tried to argue that because it was a state-created agency, he couldn't do it. And the courts, the appellate level up, they all sided with the inspector general and said, nope, as long as you get some city money, you're eligible. So they should be. Have you kept, uh, are you abreast of the situation that exists there? Because this seems like highly unusual and out of the ordinary. Um, I'm abreast as far as what I've seen in the news. I don't have any additional knowledge, but what I will tell you as a former legislator and as someone who once chaired the Revenue and Fiscal Affairs Committee in the legislature, change orders, generally speaking, especially multiple ones with large amounts, that is like the most basic red flag. Because as you know, there is always supposed to be a competitive bid process. And a problem we've had in the city as a whole has been that people will underbid projects and then they will get change orders and the change orders will make that project far in excess of what it should have originally been bid for and someone else might have won said bid. There's no telling and we'll never know if the additional work done by that contractor without a bid, whether or not there was actually a savings. Because it could have been that the additional work the contractor did, had it been publicly bid, could have been done for much cheaper. That's why it's a public bid process. So I think I have full faith that the inspector general will get in the middle of it. And I've got full faith that we will have a resolution of some sort as far as to whether or not this was legal and further whether or not they actually were the savings or did we lose money in the exchange. What is your sense of the state of the state of the RTA? Um, that is rather complicated. And it's rather complicated, I say, because they have new leadership. And that's always hard to give someone a grade when they just took over running the RTA. I will say, generally speaking, there's a lot of complaints from the public regarding the reduction of routes, the reduction of buses, the reduction of availability. You saw there was an effort by the RTA to terminate the uh, Algiers Ferry, which was very controversial. And this is the, the biggest issue is, is that these cuts are coming despite there not being necessarily an overall dip in revenue. As you know, the RTA is not just funded from fares. They're funded from a variety of other taxes that come from all taxpayers. And there really has not been a good explanation as to why there's been such a tremendous reduction in services when people, the public, is still funding the RTA from a variety of different revenue streams. It'd be one thing if the RTA were a private transit hub where, like, their only money was from people riding it because then the reduction in services would be directly proportional to how many people are riding it. But when you're subsidized by things like sales tax and the like, that come from everything, like hotels, for example, well, why is the reduction so severe when these other revenue streams you have are static or, you know, move forward? Because as you know, the RTA, like other authorities, has the ability, like the school board, to roll forward things. So I don't think they roll forward this year. They've rolled forward in the past. If they didn't roll forward, that kept their revenue static, so they didn't lose money in not rolling forward. So it's a question. I think the public is really reasonable in having concerns that if we are all funding to try and have the best regional transit possible, 
why isn't it the best regional transit possible? Well, and obviously we struggle with uh, workforce housing and, and affordable housing. And one of the balances to that issue is to, to have a robust public transportation system, right? Right. And the situation is part of the reason why we're not able as a city to develop, let's say, for example, housing is more affordable in the outer boroughs of the city, like New Orleans East, the Lower Ninth Ward, hell, even Araby on the edge of St. Bernard, the housing there is much more affordable than the city core. The problem you have is you have people paying five, ten times what they should pay in rent because if transit is not is not effective and it's not on time, you have to pay too much for rent to live close to where you work to get to work on time. If transit is operating at its peak and it's operating efficiently and you can count on that bus by your house in the lower nine, upper uh, New Orleans East, upper nine, Araby, for example, if you, if you know that that bus is going to run on time, then you could, you could pay cheaper rent and live further out. And so it does kind of feed into the availability of housing because without transportation, you're forced to pay for housing that could be otherwise you're forced to forego housing that could otherwise be affordable because transportation is unreliable. When you look at um, 2024, um, we are now halfway through the second month um, uh, being February. Um, where do we? Where do you find yourself, and what what, what are your thoughts about wh what has uh, happened over the last three months? Uh, you know, we've got a new chief, a kind of new head of that 911 district. The IG's done a lot of work and issued a lot of different reports. Um, are you? Do you feel momentum moving in in, in the right direction? Um, I definitely feel momentum. I don't think we're like by any means no like the problem is solved. I think we're in a position right now where I think we can collectively take a breath that we're going in the right direction. But I think just like, as you know, when you have situations like this, the challenge is you can't become complacent because if you become complacent, mm -hmm. then the backslide happens fairly regularly. I mean, we've seen great momentum historically in the city where everyone kind of took a collective breath and said, well, Let's stop fighting. Let's stop having all this conflict. Everything's fixed. And it's like the moment that pressure stops, it's like the fingers out the dam and we're back to, you know, chaos. So I think we're going in the right direction. It seems like from the interactions between the NOPD, um, the state, and the courts that the federal consent decree is going in the right direction. You saw during Mardi Gras, there was that, there was that video of the cop who shoved the band member. I think mm -hmm. that that showed when you saw within a 24-hour, actually probably within a several-hour period, the Office of Independent Police Monitor and the NOPD reacted immediately and addressed that issue, that is light years ahead of where it's been previously. And as you saw, when something like that happens, if your department is on top of it and shows that it's going to take the matter seriously and address it, it really prevents it from becoming something larger. I think the department has shown in recent months that they're trying to address these things timely, and that's very good for the monitor. It's also very good for the public. But in the same token, I don't think it's a bad thing that someone videotaped that happening and that that led to some movement happening as well. And I think all in all, when you're looking at that, OPCD, for the most part, 
they have been completely transparent on, on their new leadership and have showed us where every problem has occurred and their efforts to try and address it. I don't think they're where they need to be leadership-wise. I'm working with legislators to change the makeup of the board because right now the entire board is appointed by the mayor. And as you saw from our previous head of OPCD, that person was not selected based upon talent or skill. They were selected because the mayor liked them. And that's not, and that's not just a problem with this mayor. Like I've said previously, it's a problem with all mayors. You should never have positions like that that are so important that can be selected purely by personality. And we need more boards restructured so that people that are making those selections, they're making them because the right person, not because a mayor says my buddy needs a job. So those are the kind of things where they're going in the right direction. OPCD will have some changes as to how the board members are appointed to make it so that they're not as beholden to the politics of any individual person and to promote more transparency and accountability. And that'll happen across, I think, a variety of different organizations. A lot of legislators are very engaged in trying to help the city kind of emerge from the way things have gone the last couple of years and to be a bit more accountable and a bit more transparent on how it does things. When we come back after the break, JP, let's talk about the legislature. Let's talk about the first uh, special session, and we're about to embark upon a second special session next week on crime. We'll get your thoughts when we return. We're visiting with J.P. Morrell, New Orleans City Council. We'll be right back, folks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with J.P. Morrell, member of the New Orleans City Council. 
JP, we go into special session one of the legislature. Uh, we're supposed to redraw lines for congressional districts. We end up with uh, closing some primaries for a number of offices. And we also end up doing something or attempting to do something along with the uh, Supreme Court. Your thoughts of the outcome? Uh, I thought that the first special session was extremely ambitious and i don't mean that necessarily in a good way in that it when you have a very short session with a very specific set of things that was set to accomplish i think uh governor landry learned that you really can't even if even if you believe you have the the political stroke to force an issue the public is not going to rally behind a rough session where you're trying to change things that have been institutionally the same way for years i think that the criticism of closed primaries is very well said by people like um, Senator Cassidy insofar as when you're talking about spending 65 million, I believe in one year and 135 million more in multiple years. And you're looking at the fact that the sales tax has fallen off and you're looking at easily a half a billion dollar potential deficit. How do you justify to people who are cutting services over the next couple of years that we have to cut even more services so that you can have a closed primary that people didn't necessarily ask for. I think most people understand our current primary system. Most people, Democrat or Republican, appreciate the current system because it offers a maximum amount of choice in picking whoever you want to pick. And changing it, especially when that change costs so much money, is very problematic. You look at that coupled with the fact that we just declined about $71 million in aid for children over the summer for food. Um, as you know, when we don't get federal money for something, that money still gets spent, just gets spent somewhere else. And in all the states that turned down that additional money for food for children during summer months, other states just get more money for food for children for summer months. So, I mean, it's kind of a head scratcher. I think that the redrawing the congressional districts was achieved I think Governor Landry did achieve some pretty landmark stuff that he was setting out to do. It just was a missed opportunity. I think that had he just focused on the things that really needed to be done. Um, as you know, when I was in the legislature under Governor Jindal, he had a plethora of very, very, very expensive special sessions over a variety of issues. And hindsight 2020, history's kind of repeating itself. You don't need to have 50 mini sessions. You need to just have a couple of sessions to address the true issues that are time sensitive. And you can tackle most of this stuff during a regular session, which starts in, I don't know, like a month and a half, a month and a half, mm -hmm. another session starts. And you don't cost taxpayers dollars and you have more transparency in the process when you're looking at these things. I mean, crime is certainly an issue across the state, but is it an issue that we couldn't address during the regular session when everyone has time to look at what you're doing? And you're kind of limited to the call as well. I mean, you know, uh, to, to me, uh, you know, kind of the highlight for them is this issue with the death sentence, you know, and, and what cocktail they're going to use in order to, to carry it out. Uh, I just soon move that to a regular session. And, uh, you know, be, the, the fact of the matter is a lot of DAs, uh, use their discretion and not charge on first-degree murder because you get subjected to all kinds of reviews that delay the process for years on end 
in, in, in some instances, you know, it just carries on forever and you, you never get anywhere. Well, I mean, you have that issue. You have the fact that, and this is something, I mean, you and I are aware of because we're attorneys, but the public generally isn't speaking about. There are states where they move forward with a new way of killing people, where even if the new way was found legal, the family still wins multi-million dollar settlements and judgments over cruel and unusual punishment and other civil litigation. It's one of those things where the death penalty, no matter, I mean, I'm not a fan of the death penalty, but if you're going to go and open that door and kind of dig into that hole, you really want the maximum time to see how you're going to implement it in a way where you don't, where you end up in court for multiple years being challenged over it. You only ever get around to killing two or three people. And then the two or three people that may or may not, let's say they were a horrific murderer who killed a whole family. How do you think justice is served when by killing that person in a rushed way you got through a rushed legislature leads to a $15 million federal judgment from the state coffers to the family of the person you killed, not the family of the person who was murdered. I mean, these are all things that like when you have a regular session to dig into them, you can sift through them. And governor Edwards reticence on trying to like, despite his own personal belief on the death penalty His reticence to go forward was also rooted in the fact that there was no legal way to do it. And the Supreme Court really hasn't given too much guidance on where they're going to stand when someone goes up federally with a cruel and unusual unusual punishment claim because we're like smothering people or we're hanging them whatever way you want to kill them. So there's a lot of legal issues that underlie this problem beyond the morality of whether you support the death penalty or not in rushing that doesn't really help the public, doesn't really give closure to to victims' families because whenever you bring up a new way of killing people and that doesn't pass court muster, that's a problem. What happens, like I said, the family of a murder victim, when they find out the family of the convicted murderer is getting $15, $20 million of taxpayer dollars because you killed them in a way that a court determined was inhumane? How are they going to feel about that? Probably not great. Yeah. And in a lot of cases, you can't go grab that money for restitution for the loss of your loved one, right? That's correct. Our restitution fund is not throwing out $15 million judgments. And um, it's just these are very complicated issues, and they're not terribly time sensitive because the reality is the people, the limited amount of people we have on death row, they're not going anywhere. They're on death row until we figure this out. So. Rushing it doesn't really serve a practical purpose because, like I said, most of these people have had all their appeals run. They're literally not going anywhere. So just rushing this just seems not necessarily in the state's best interest. But a crime session will be interesting. One thing I want to throw out there, Noah, I know you'd appreciate it, is there's some talk about bumping up state trooper salaries, I think, by $20,000. Though I don't necessarily – I'm not opposed to increasing the salary for troopers. That is going to obliterate every local department's ability to recruit in the entire state of Louisiana. Because if you give troopers a $20,000 pay raise without providing additional state resources to all departments, not just New Orleans, talking about Jefferson Parish, Plaquemines, St. Cloud, the whole state, if you're not dealing with supplemental pay to figure out that gap, the same cities you want to send troopers into to try and help they won't be able to hire their own police to help themselves. That's problematic. 
Yeah, they better grow exponentially to backfill all of the vacancies that are going to occur across the state of Louisiana. It's happened before, quite frankly, and it and it's always uh, a challenge for for certain. J.P. Morrell, thank you so much for spending time with us this morning. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. We'll be right back, folks. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Stay with us. Folks, when we come back after the top of the break news, we will visit with Walt Leger from New Orleans and Companies, the president and CEO there. He will share his insights on his trip to Las Vegas for the Super Bowl handoff. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 